Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is your host, Amon Kustro, and I'm joined by my co-host, Zach Cachetta. How's it going, brother? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm just excited to go over 64 cards in this episode and try <laughs> to do it under two hours. We're going we're gonna to blaze through some of these, I think. We're going to try, and that's the important thing. So we're going to skip the pleasantries. Um, we're just going to give a quick shout-out to Games Workshop. Thank you so much for sending us Deadly Depths and, of course, the Gore Chosen um, box that came with the Universals that we're covering today. Um, if you're listen- looking to listen to the full Warband review, that will be the episode that is before this one. Mm. But they'll drop on the same day. So um, let's go ahead and get started. And again, we're going to skip the pleasantries because we have a lot to cover here. So we're going to start taking turns. And we're going to start with the Gore Chosen Universals. And they have some Grand Alliance cards. So we'll start with the three order cards. First card being Shaken Yet Unmoved. This is a Surge Duel for one glory. Score this immediately after a successful attack action that target a friendly fighter. If that fighter was not trapped or pushed during the attack action, and that fighter is on the battlefield, what do we think? Um, there was a card like this in Beastgrave. I can't remember the name of it. Um, where you had to be attacked and still in the same position. Um, I think really only Wormspat ran it, because uh, I think they have a similar type of card. Maybe not the same card. But either way, um, we've seen, we have seen cards like this in the past. They are okay if you are A- very durable and B, uh, plan to go on guard a lot, um, or have other ways to get on guard or other ways to not be driven back like Magor's Fiends. Um, and in those situations, I think this is a fine card. Um, I mean, Order does have a lot of ways to go on guard, that's kind of one of their things and their ploys. So I think it's fine if you're building around that sort of thing, but if you're not, probably pass on it. Yeah, I definitely think that if you have a fighter who's survivable so four wounds or more and has easy access to guard uh then i think this is really good because if your opponent knows they have this you have this in your deck they're going to push you back right yeah and so. you want you usually want to push anyway so it's like 90 percent of the time you're going to do a, a drive back so um it's really only if you're able to stop it personally yeah exactly exactly cool well, let's jump to the next one okay now we have defend defend Choose up to two friendly fighters with no move or charge tokens. Give each chosen fighter one guard token. Then stagger each enemy fighter adjacent to one or more of the chosen fighters. Um, it's a little too much for guard tokens. Uh, a lot of times you want to give a guard token maybe after you've done a charge or you know, kind of in the middle or later parts of a turn uh, to kind of deter attacks or survive an attack. This you really have to play early on, and to get the second part of it, it's kind of be like, it's early on in turn two or three where you're adjacent to stuff and you haven't moved yet. It just, I think there's a lot of too much to it for it to be really reliable, so I'm not crazy about this one. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about being on guard is you kind of want it before you get attacked, Mm -hmm. but the way that I see this card is that, you know, maybe you wait to get charged. If you survive, then you can stagger the opponent and then put your fighter on guard. But the whole point, again, is to not get driven back, um, of course, unless they have a knockback attack, and then become more survivable. So this might just be a good card for, like, Seraphon early in the game, 
where you just stick two fighters on guard, including Autopodal, maybe your leader or Clactrock, yeah. and it makes them a little bit more survivable. Um, so I don't think it's a bad card, but I think I think this isn't a stagger card. This is put two in, two fighters on guard. Yeah, that that's true. And I didn't really think about uh, Seraphon, um, Starblood Stalkers. I think that's probably one of the better uses for it, actually. So yeah, good shout there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, these uh, sometimes it's hard to think about the entire Grand Alliance as a whole. <laughs> well, especially because Order has like two, four, a six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen factions. Yeah, yeah, it's right. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, and then we're gonna go to the Order upgrade of the set, which is Impervious Charge. While making a charge action, this fighter cannot be dealt damage. Plus one move while making a charge action if this fighter is a beast. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a situation where I really would want this. There's not that many lethal hexes in the game. If we, if next season, for some reason, we go back to placing lethal hexes or there start to be print a lot of boards with lethal hexes, maybe you're going to want this. Because this is kind of what Born in Agony does without the really good plus one wound portion uh, mm-hmm. that Ideneth like. And, you know, occasionally that does come up because sometimes you'll place a board with a lethal hex or something like that. But... A lot of the times, I just don't think it's going to come up enough to really warrant this as a card. Yeah, the only interaction I can think of outside of Lethal Hexes is, uh, like, um, the uh, Kin Whispers, like, ability, where he does a damage when you make a move. Oh, yeah. Um, And because you charge, you move, and then you attack, you would not be able to take damage after your move and then after your attack or during the attack. Yeah, are there any current reactions that happen during charge sequences like uh, attack i'm i'm remembering like um stand and shoot where you would make a shooting attack action when you were charged or something like that i don't think there's any currently in the game but no no but this could that would stop this would stop damage from stand and shoot so this might be a card that is a bit too early for its time and probably better on with maybe some additional cards in the future Mm -hmm. but right now i don't think this is particularly exciting um yeah Cool. Well, that's it for Grand Alliance Order. Yeah. Zach, you want to start talking some chaos here? Sure, let's talk chaos. Um, so for our objective, we've got Savage Slaughter. This is a surge hybrid. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action that takes a target out of action if that friendly fighter is a beast or corn fighter or that friendly fighter has no upgrades. So I like this card, actually. Um, obviously, it's pretty good in Gore Chosen, good in... Magor's Fiends. Mm-hmm. You just got to get a kill. Um, if you have fighters or warbands with a lot of beasts in Chaos, which I don't think there are many, maybe I think Grawl might be the only beast. I'm looking right uh, now. I think it's just Grawl. Yeah. Um, that could be cool. I ultimately, like, even if a fighter has no upgrades, like, that's pretty solid uh, because a lot of the, you know, Chaos guys can do a lot of damage pretty quickly. So. I kind of like this. I mean, again, surges that don't require kills are better. But if you want to play an aggressive warband that has is like you're trying to kill stuff anyways, then this is a great slot in, and I really like it. Yeah, like actually. you said, especially for Gore Chosen and Magor's Fiends, it's it literally just says kill a fighter, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even for um, you know, despoilers, right? Like Kagra starts at three damage. So, mm. oh yeah, she can yeah. just whack somebody for th- with that who's three wounds or less, and that's a surge glory. You know, two glories right there. Sure, yeah. 
Um, next we've got our ploy. This is Weighty Blessing. Uh, this is a mutation. Choose one friendly fighter, then put one shield counter or one magic counter on this card. The chosen fighter has minus one move to a minimum of zero, and then the following benefit, depending on which you picked. If you picked a shield token, they get plus one defense. If you picked a magic token, they have cleave on their attacks. So I think this is actually a very good card, um, and it's really good for fighters who have a lot of movement to spare. So for Skittershanks or Scritch, you drop down to four move. That's still really good. I mean, that's still a, you know above average or at least average. And now you're at two defense or potentially three defense. Um, I don't think you're ever going to use this for the cleave mechanic, so you're just really going for plus one defense. Um, even on Riptooth, he aspires to five. You can drop him back down to four, but now he's three dodge. It's pretty solid. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, anyone who's, I think, five or four movement and has the opportunity to spare, like that doesn't matter if they lose the movement, then this is a great card. I, as a side note, I also think this is good for factions that already are built around being slow. Like, I'm thinking about Wormspat. For Sepsimus and Golgok, you're already bringing um, Unending Tread, I believe is the name of it. Uh, yeah, it's something tread. tread. Something Tread. Yeah. And also... Um, Probably Duelist Speed or Silent, silent step. step, yeah. Yeah, so you're already bringing all these push cards to make sure they do their stuff. Sepsimus is already range 2. Fecula is already range 3. So, like... Just giving them, it's like okay, I'll take another minus one to be three block dice. That's pretty. It's pretty good, all things considered. It's pretty solid, yeah. If you can get a lot of pushes or reactive movement, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I also think this is really good on Kagra. Oh sure, yeah. Could she's be. not really going to do much, and she's already slow, but she's got the range attack, so she doesn't need to move very much. But then this puts her up to two block at the start of the game, and really helps with the fact that she just insta dies. You know. Yeah. True. Um, next, I like it. Next, we've got our upgrade, Frenzied Strength. Uh, if this fighter is a corn fighter, this fighter's range one and two attack actions have cleave. If this fighter is a vulnerable, plus one damage to this fighter's range one and two attack actions. So cleave is good, right? Because block is or guard is very relevant. Mm-hmm. So being able to half the ability to you know, guard is pretty nice. That being said, I think corn warbands, I mean, Magor's Fiends are like the cleave warband. So this isn't really going to work there. And with the new Gore Chosen and potentially the old Reavers, I mean, I find it to be interesting, but Sake has cleave too. So like, it's not really like that important. I think there are some better cards in the upgrade slot. Vulnerability is something that's really interesting. Um, plus one damage is awesome. But... Uh, I just don't think it's going to be something that you can count on or be reliable with. So for that reason, I think I would just take a Savage Strength or a Great Strength or something instead. Yeah, yeah, Vulnerable, as we've said in the past, very unreliable. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I don't think it's as good as their ploy. Um, I'm sure you can find a use for it, though, especially, like you said, in the Corn factions. Yeah. If you really want cleave, but I don't. I don't think you need it. So, we'll move on to death. First card here is a hybrid objective for one glory. Score this in the end phase if your warband played four or more gambits in the preceding action phase, or you have scored no other objectives this round, and it's called mystery of death. Um, 
I think this is pretty good. This is actually a fairly reliable one glory. Uh, it, it's kind of like a, almost a catch-up card in a way. Um, where, well, it's like the second part is kind of a catch-up, right? If you don't, if you haven't scored any surges, it's a free score. Um, because you could just score it as your first end phase objective, and then you can score your, all your other end phase objectives. So it's like a free one glory if you haven't scored a surge. The first mm-hmm. part, like we've seen play gambit cards, score stuff before. There's a, uh, a objective called Ploy Master in season one that was three gambits, um, and it was very easy. This is four, but there's also a lot of draw in the game. Not only do you have Duel of Wits, you have Silent Ring, you have uh, Dark Sacrifice, which a lot of death factions play. Um, there's just a lot of ways to get cards and making sure you have four gambits is actually not as difficult as it might seem. So I'm kind of high on it. I don't think it's the best one glory end phase, but I think if you want one that you can score relatively passively, it's not a bad one to have at all. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes, so I agree with what you're saying. Oftentimes, you know, you'll like mulligan pretty aggressively for surges at the beginning of the game, but maybe you have like some two solid end phase scores like dominant position Maybe another death card or something. And then you have this card and you're like, well, I can just auto-score this and then score my other two cards. It's pretty nice because you can score this one first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe you have like a handful of gambits, a lot of pushes. I mean, generally you like that kind of stuff. You need to use that stuff. So the only thing I don't like is that this might force you to play an extra gambit when you don't need to. Very similar to some other cards in the past. This is not something that screams to me, but if you're like really, really desperate for a last one glory end phase card and you're playing a death war band this could be a decent option yeah i i definitely think so yeah okay well let's go to the gambit which is a spell inevitable fate it casts on a channel if cast choose one vulnerable enemy fighter within four hexes and deal one damage to that fighter um <laughs> this is a very balanced card because we have seen range four deal one ping doesn't require like adjacency or on a feature or on an edge hex or whatever before like this is a positionless effectively because four hexes is huge it's effectively a positionless ping damage um but it has to require vulnerable i think often enough you're going to leave en- enemies vulnerable after an attack that you might consider this as like a finisher spell which is what mm-hmm. you use a lot of ping four cards anyway yep i mean but there will be games where you just have to like you hold it in your hand waiting to make your opponent vulnerable and then you just toss it at the end of a round because it's just not happening like they're being stuck with two or you whiff your attack or something like that and you're just not getting it off so i'm not sure i think if you're really if you're really hungry for ping cards and you just really feel like your damage isn't there but you have a good wizard like dentalos or the queen of thorns or something like that um or the Briar Queen, rather, um, then yeah, I could definitely see you bringing this, but um, I don't know if it would make my top 10 for a deck. Agreed. I completely agree that this is a good finisher spell, but only if you're a level 2 wizard. Yes. Um, it works well with Dantelos. I think Exile Delt probably the most, because you're dealing so much damage. Mm-hmm. So if your attacks don't go through, you have another shot trying to finish off a fighter. Um, cool. Uh, next one is Merciless Bludgeon. This is the death upgrade card. This fighter's range one attack actions that target a fighter with one or more wound counters have stagger. And you can reroll one attack dice in those attack actions. Rerolling is extremely strong. 
Um, it's only range one, so you can't use it on like wraith creepers or something like that. Um, but it's re- really funny that it has Kanan in the art. Yeah. Well, like Kanan does have a range one. I think once scything. he inspired. Yeah, scything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, rerolls are extremely strong. Every time there's been a reroll, it's been at least a consideration, if not an auto take. It's only rerolls against wounded stuff. Death does kind of have this ongoing thing about not having massive bursty damage outside of uh, Kynan and like late game uh, Voltron stuff. So maybe oftentimes you are hitting somebody who's wounded, and then you're getting a reroll, and then you're getting staggered to set up again. I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to evaluate. Like I could see this being really good in my favorite exile dead because you put on one zombie you just make sure that zombie always attacks second so it's already attacking somebody who's been hit now you're getting re-rolls now you're potentially setting up stagger for the next zombie to attack that's kind of cool um i don't know i find it hard to evaluate i think i think it's fine i think this is an okay card uh it's not my favorite upgrade but i would could see myself having this in a deck yeah i mean it's really interesting actually because i think the best warband for this is exile dead Mm-hmm. Um, because when you when you attack a staggered fighter, you get to reroll one dice, and then b- with this, you also could just reroll one dice in the attack action. So as long as you go second, you can just reroll two dice, right? Yeah. Because Dantelos would go first, stagger the enemy. Yeah. And then you go with this guy, Coil maybe, just pretty solid. Yeah, and you know, there's. Um... There's also Kynan's Reapers, because you can set up, um, what's the uh, attack after a friendly fighter attacks reaction that you always just put on Kenta, and he just stabs over his buddy? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. there is call for it there as well. Um, So I think it's, yeah, in those swarm decks, this is actually a pretty reasonable card. Yeah, it's not bad, if you need dice, which I think you want. Everyone wants rerolls. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, why don't you take on Destruction? Destruction. All right. Whirling Wreckers is our uh, objective. Duel. Score this in an end phase if there are two or more surviving friendly fighters. And each surviving friendly fighter has one or more scything attack actions to glory end phase. I think this is really interesting. So I believe that most Destruction Warbands have a fighter with a scything attack. Um, I don't think Gits potentially have it, but if you have weapon up attack option weapon attack action upgrades that offer scything, I think it'd be really interesting. I'm trying to think, like Crushes have it, right? Like Thug, Crushes, uh, Rippas. I think it's Ard Skull, Rippas. Um, I th- yeah, think... I mean, it could be pretty reliable actually for Rippas. I think Rippas and Crushes are the easiest ones, because it has to be everyone has a Scything, so... Two or more. Well, it's... Oh, and each surviving friendly fighter. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you lose one fighter. So if you lose one, if, like if, if Stab it inspires and gets Scything, and then you lose either Rippa or Minai and equip the other one with the Scything upgrade, like, it's just a free score. Um, and same goes with uh, the Crushes, if, as long as uh, Ard Skull survives. And is inspired, which is kind of hard nowadays. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It is interesting, isn't it? Do you think this is one you would run in a Ripa's deck? 
No. I'm I'm <laughs> keep thinking about it over and over again and I'm just thinking the more and more I think about it, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean it's really hard to pull off, I think. You got to get things to line up. You have to have the specific um upgrades and the specific fighters alive and stuff, so. Yeah, but if I know you have this card, I'm just going to kill stab it. Yeah. Now, the one warband this is really good for is Molog's mob, maybe? Because Spytroom and Molog have Scything. Ooh, that's true. So you could just suicide the Bat Squig and Salag Squig and maybe score this. But that's just trading two for two, so I don't know if I like that. Um, yeah, the more and more I keep thinking about this card, I don't like it. Um, now, the... Interestingly, the the squigs can't. Be, that's interesting that you bring that up. The squigs can't be given uh, scything upgrades, but there is a upgrade from Dire Chasm called Rampaging Killer. It says this fighter. It's not a weapon upgrade. It just says this fighter's range one attack actions have scything, um, and then they take extra damage. It's not a very good card, but you could just like. I mean, all you got to do is get one of your minions killed, give the other one Rampaging Killer. As long as the one minion who got killed isn't still um, Spite Shroom, then yeah, this is a, it's a freebie. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that works then for Malog. Yeah, as if he needed it, but as if he needed more passive scoring. But you know, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, next, we've got Destruction's Advance. This is the ploy: uh, choose up to two friendly fighters, stagger the chosen fighters, and push the chosen fighters one hex towards the closest enemy fighter. So obviously you don't want to be staggered because it gives your opponent a reroll. That being said, if you have the last activation in a round and there's no way for your opponent to retaliate, then you get a pretty decent push. Mm -hmm. um, so you can push, stagger yourself, it doesn't matter, and then maybe attack somebody, jump on an objective, whatever you need to do. So I actually don't think this is a really bad card. In fact, I think this can be really good with Cunning Crew. Um, because they love movement and pushing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, any warband that likes pushes, like even Mad Mob, can benefit from this. And every once in a while, sure, you know, maybe you get you get hit, you get the, you give your opponent a reroll. But then with Mad Mob, you're just scoring, uh, bring it on and stuff like that. So I actually do like this card. Um, if anything, it can help you even bait your opponent in with Rippas. Push two of your fighters up. They're like, oh, maybe I can kill. Rip our, do some damage, inspire Warband, or maybe go for one of the other guys. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's pretty pretty good card in terms of utility. I agree with that. Um, at first I was like, ooh, Stagger, gross. But you're right, you could do it late. But also, like, if you're playing something that wants to hold back, and you're, like, playing, um, you know, a dominant position style deck, and you, like, set up in the back, yeah, you push a guy forward, but he's in your backfield, and if they go back past all your other fighters and dive him because he has a stagger token that's kind of okay too yeah um i think there's a, a lot of good push two cards in the game right now like even just center of attention um but i don't think you can have enough like push two is just a really strong thing so even if this is your second third or even fourth one like it's still definitely worth it yeah it's definitely good with, especially with gets right like yeah as, as the example you gave just start them behind the objectives plop them forward mm -hmm. they're not going to get to you first round anyways so yeah and that push could even help you set up a, a big old scurry with your your uh czar bags that's true that's true even uh get snark closer <laughs> yeah don't you know? don't don't give me nightmares man snark is the, the devil i swear 
Uh, okay. Next, we've got the upgrade, which is Greedy Swing. This is an attack action upgrade. Uh, range 1, 2 Fury, 2 Swords, uh, and 2 damage with Scything. Uh, reaction after this attack action, if the target was taken out of action, draw a power card. Yeah, this is really interesting because, first of all, it looks like... Um, what's his name? Black Powder. Black Powder is looking like he's doing like an anime punch, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, this attack is pretty bad, but Scything is actually pretty interesting because if you get some extra dice, um, three Fury, two damage Scything can be pretty potent. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the card suggests, if you get a kill, then you can be greedy and draw a card. So maybe if you're playing some sort of aggressive um, warband that's trying to kill the enemy f- team then this could work. But I just think there's some better attack action upgrades out there like Silent Sword and Dagger, um, among other things. So Yeah, I think it's not bad for Cut and Crew specifically because I have so many ways to get support. Mm. Um, that 2 Fury yeah. doesn't doesn't bother me as much. But yeah, you're right. There's just other better attacks out there. Yeah. Okay, so that will do it for the Grand Alliance cards. Zach, I'm going to have to ask you... Out of all the cards, or the Grand Alliance cards we went over, um, which Grand Alliance do you think overall got the strongest bit this time around? Uh, I'm going to have to say Chaos, actually. I mean, Savage Slaughter is actually just a pretty solid objective. It's not, like, amazing, but it's really solid, and you can throw it in decks. And Weighty Blessing, getting fighters to 3 dodge or 2 block or 3 block even, is it's really, really strong. So I, I think the only kind of stink your here's frenzied strength but it's even a card you throw in gore chosen if you think you need cleave so it's like not even a bad one so i think all three cards in this uh grand alliance are viable yeah and i think the two that the gambit and the objective in particular are are pretty solid yeah i think chaos definitely came out on top in terms of the grand alliance this time around Mm -hmm. um i do like destructions cards um mm-hmm. specifically the destructions advance the gambit mm-hmm. that would probably be the second best um and i think death actually got the worst cards this time around well it's about time right it's about time yeah i think even shaking yet unmoved the obvious james bond reference <laughs> is a uh, is not bad if you can finagle the guard yeah um and then also the gambit itself which is uh defend defend which can be good for seraphon so yeah. cool Alrighty, well, let's jump to the universal objectives here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with beating the odds. And this is a bit of a break in the fourth wall here because uh, there's dice with a bunch of crits on them. So <laughs> maybe they're playing Underworlds too. Crits on all sides. Where can I get those dice? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, this is called beating the odds for two glory hybrid. Score this in the third end phase. If there are one or more surviving friendly minions or... There are two or more surviving friendly fighters with no wound counters. Um, it's like super faction dependent. Like this is this is actually pretty good in Exile Dead, where like I'm currently running Proud Commander as a two glory end uh, third end phase. Um, I would probably take this over it just because you have five minions in the warband and all of them are able to be resurrected. So there's a good chance at least one of them is going to survive at the end of the game. Um, but if you're a faction without minions or you're a faction where you use your minions as like pawns to be killed, then you're not going to want to run this. Um, and it's obviously not for elite because the chances of it 
even one of those guys uh, getting to the end of the game with no wounds is, is pretty unlikely. So, yeah. Yeah. Very Warband specific, but when it works, I think it works. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the Warband that benefits from this for the most is any Warband with a minion that can bring fighters back. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Exile Dead, Spike Claw Swarm, um, Eyes of the Nine. Sepulchral Guard. Uh, Sepulchral Guard. Um, maybe not Thorns of the Briar Queen, because they don't come back, but... Um, no, the but Grim Watch. usually have one alive, though, for sure. Yeah. The Grim Watch, you know, mm, those come back. True, 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 yeah. So, I think there's a lot of potential for this card. Um, but it might not be worth it, just because it's third end phase. Yeah. You have to evaluate whether you want one of those or not. Agreed. Okay, next card is Open the Walking Gate, Surge, Duel. This is a Surge Duel for three glory, guys. Score this immediately after an activation step if a friendly penumbral lock a gambit is persisting and a friendly fighter has the penumbral key upgrade. When you score this objective, that fighter is taken out of action. One of the most wild cards I've ever printed. Three glory end phase. Any end phase. Not, you know, it's any end phase. Penumbral lock is a persisting gambit that says objective tokens. Well, it's not even an end phase. It's a surge. So any any point in the game, period. Oh, dear. Surge duel. Three glory surge. Um, So penumbral lock is a persisting gambit says objective tokens cannot be flipped. It persists till the end of the round. Um, It's basically a domain that's not a domain, which is uh, cool. And then penumbral key is one of the cursed keys. You have to be a starting hex in enemy territory. Um, Three glory surge is pretty crazy. Are you going to have both these cards in your hand at the same time with the glory to equip penumbral key and penumbral lock in your hand with this surge? Like, it's an Exodia card, right? Like, if you get all the piece, all the pieces of Exodia to go off at the same time, three glory surge is actually insane. It's really kind of a two glory surge because you lose a fighter, so you're trading one for three. But even a two glory surge that doesn't require any dice or interaction from your opponent is like kind of good. I think someone's gonna try it. I think someone's gonna bring it to a uh, like a local clash maybe not a grand clash but like a local clash and catch people out with it but it probably doesn't make like a, a hyper competitive deck but i am going to build a deck around this and it'll be super cool yeah so i like the exodia comparison i will say this so penumbral key you gain a glory point at the end of the third action phase for one glory problem is is like if you take this and then you try to score open the wake walking gate or the waking gate then you'll never get the glory that you would have got from having Penumbral Key. So you have to take three cards in your deck to score this card, including this card itself. You can't guarantee that you're going to draw those two cards unless you take draw. You're right that it's only a net two because your fighter gets taken out of action, Mm -hmm. which means that um, your opponent will get the glory. I think the only way around that is by giving the dogs the upgrade because the dogs could get a Kree from Hexbanes. Mm -hmm. So you can maybe get around that. Um, Because people kind of ignore your dogs anyways. So then you can get three glory. um, But then it requires a one glory investment. And then two deck slots, if not three, if you cap this card itself. So I think think it's pretty heavily invested. But I think maybe for Hexbanes, this is actually not bad. Because then when your fighter's taken out of action, you get a free upgrade. Or you get to remove a move or charge token. So this can actually force you to... Because sometimes your enemy won't attack you. Just so you don't get that move or charge token taken off. Right, yeah. But then now you can force that mechanic to work as well. So I think it's actually pretty solid with Hexbanes. Yeah. um, 
I, I agree. I didn't think about the dog portion of it. That is a really interesting uh, way to approach it. I also don't think that Penumbral Key is like a dead card um, by itself. Like, yeah, it's not the best cursed key in the game. I think um, I think Shadowed Key is the one that requires you to be on a cover hex. I think that's probably the best current one. Um, but even if you don't get off, open the Waking Gate, Cursed Key can still be just used at end game for plus one glory if you don't get the combo off. So it's not like a, a dead dead and that it's one glory instead of semi two glory or three glory, two and a half, however you want to count the dog. Um, it's, yeah, it, it like we said, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's ever going to be good. I don't know if you're going to see people like really try to make it work, but who knows? It's kind of yeah. kind of sweet. It's sweet yeah. design. I really applaud the designers for making this. 100%. It's definitely something that makes you think. Yeah. But, but let's jump to the next card here. So we've got Pulled Under for one Glory Hybrid. Score this in the end phase if there are three or more domain cards were played in this round. Or one or more enemy fighters who each have three or more upgrades are out of action. Um, this would be great if it was two Glory. Maybe. Maybe it would be great. It would be playable if it was two Glory. I just don't think it's a one Glory card for me. Yeah, agreed. I think there's... Too much that you can't control, and domain cards aren't that great right now, yeah. except Drifting Tides. So we'll go to the next one. Reel em in. One Glory Surge Duel. Score this immediately after an enemy fighter in enemy territory, or no one's territory was pushed, and if that enemy fighter ended that push in your territory. That's like really hard to set up, but also it's a sur- it's a it's a surge that doesn't require like a successful attack or damage. All it requires is like a drive back or a distraction or something like that, or a center of attention. Like um, there's some faction cards that push two hexes as well. Uh, Not a lot of them, but there's some of them. Um, Also note that you're like your opponent can score this for you. There's a lot of times where your opponent will play. They will put Molog or Hrothgorn or, black powder they'll put one of their big beefy guys up front and then they'll play um what's the push your fighter three uh, your leader three into a starting hex commanding stride they'll play commanding stride from their territory into yours and you can might just score this off of your opponent playing a card um i don't dislike it i think there's if you're like if you're sitting there stuck on three or on like five surges and you're like, man, I could really use another surge that I don't really need to like get a kill for or a surge that I don't like, you know, need to have some weird setup for like this might not actually be too bad. So I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I think this is certainly doable. Like maybe like, if you're fighting for the midboard, maybe Horrors in the Dark and other things like that, mm-hmm. you can send our attention someone over the line, etc. Um, I do like the card because it's so doable, but it's also, again, like you mentioned, hard to set up. So Yeah. I mean, but there are going to be cool moments where sometimes your opponent will just score this for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because they'll push them fighter themselves. So certainly not bad. Next one is round in circles for one glory. Score this in the end phase if two or more scatter abilities were resolved in this round. Um, it's very, very uh, faction dependent. I mean, you can probably take this in Zarbag's gets a lot of the time just because Snurk, you're pro- as long as Snurk doesn't die, you're going to spin him twice per turn most turns. Um, 
you could consider taking this in um, Grimwatch because you're getting a free res, which I don't know if that's considered a scatter ability or not. You use the scatter token, but I don't know if it's considered a scatter ability. Uh, if it is, then cool. Uh, then this is a free for them. Otherwise, I guess it's just a Zarbag's Gits card. Yeah, I mean, even with Zarbag's Gits, I don't know if I would want to double up on it. Because if you're taking this card, that means you've already taken Obliterated. Mm-hmm. And that's just too much reliance on Snark having a decent game. Yeah. And we've all played games where Snark just gets charged and dies immediately. Yeah. So I just think that while this is a good card... Um, it might be too All in. many eggs in one basket. Yeah. And that basket being Snark. Absolutely. Okay. Well, next card is up to our next. Score this in the end phase if there are more enemy fighters in your territory than friendly fighters for one glory. Uh, it's like an anti... Um, what's the name of the card I'm thinking about? Lengthening Shadows? It's like the opposite of Lengthening Shadows? Yeah. Kind of. Um Maybe if you're playing, like, a really aggressive faction, if you're playing a really aggressive elite faction, like, if you're playing Rippas and you're going to charge all three of your dudes over the line and you're like, oh, my opponent's going to sneak somebody over my line to come sit on an objective in my territory and I'm going to put all my three in their territory, it's kind of a free score, sort of. Um, or if you just think you're going to face a lot of exiled dead, it's basically a free score for you. Um yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, I I think it's viable, but I'm like hesitant. Yeah, I would say that I don't think this is a good card, and I'll tell you why. Um, if you're playing passive, then hopefully you'll play probably a larger warband with more diminutive fighters. Mm-hmm. And if there are more enemy fighters in your territory, that means you're losing. Mm-hmm. So like this is going to help you catch up. The other example, like you mentioned, is you're playing a very aggressive warband. But oftentimes, if your opponent scores glory from entering your territory, it can be pretty big scores, um, like Fearless Seekers and stuff like that. So you kind of want to stop that from happening. Yeah. So I actually just don't think this is a good card. I see what you're saying about there being a potential, I guess, potential to play this card. But I look at this and I think, I'm probably never playing this. Yeah, it's going to make it's gonna be hard to make it into the deck. I could just see it's some edge cases where you might bring it. Uh, but that brings us to the end of objectives. Um, any wh- Which one jumps out at you from this set? Yeah, I would probably say that Reel Em In is the most interesting for me. Mm. I think it's a Surge. Um, one Glory, You like we like Surges. And everyone's packing pushes, whether they're like distraction types like Hypnotic Buzz and Center of Attention, or even just like pushing fighters into charge range, etc., and I think this is really good because if your opponent knows you have this, it might make them not use their pushes, which is better for you, potentially. Um, but then also you're probably taking, again, Hypnotic Buzz, Center of Attention, stuff like that. Maybe even like a Faction Distraction if you have it. So yeah. I do think that's a very fascinating card to me. Yeah, I think of the ones we've seen here, that's probably the most viable. The only one I would really consider, like I said, is beating the odds in very specific factions. But um, yeah. But yeah, uh, objectives in the set, not terrible, not amazing, but there's a couple okay ones. Yeah, I'm curious to see what people do, as you mentioned, with Open the Waking Gate. Mm-hmm. But, someone's uh, going to try it, right? Like, someone's going to bring it to a league or something like that. I mean, if if they can make it consistent, it's going to be pretty strong. But I think the best play with it is Hexbanes right now. 
yes. off the top. I, I, I double checked to see if Spinefin could be given upgrades in. That, that's it cannot. Logo. Yeah. It cannot. It yeah. cannot, yes. Fishy. Uh, so now we'll go on to Gambits, which I'll read off. Um, and we'll just start from the top here. We've got Corrupted Companion. Uh, this is a ploy. Choose one friendly fighter. Deal one damage to the chosen fighter. Plus two dice to the first attack action made by the chosen fighter in the next activation step. If it's a companion, plus one damage to its first range one or range two in the next activation step as well. Yeah. Um, look, I really like this card. I think accuracy is really important. Um, and if you're a low wound fighter anyways, then it doesn't really matter. If you're a big wound finder, like a large fighter, then taking one damage is okay because usually you have heals or something to make up for it or upgrades. And in desperate for, you know situations, I can see a three wound or a four wounder using this card. Mm-hmm. I think the appeal to this card, particularly again, is with um, Hexbane's Hunters because um, you know you take a damage on Grotbiter or Ratspike, and it doesn't matter if they die because your opponent won't get the glory. But then they start out with a three fury two damage attack, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with supports, um, you can use this with Zarbag's Gits because you can make the Squigs hit for three smash and three damage um off the top which is pretty actually no they're, uh, not, companions. they're not companions they're beasts they're just beasts yeah yeah uh, the one so. the one that i will say uh i might i might run this in black powder's buccaneers because mange and shriek are companions uh, yeah and yeah you mean they're two wounds so you take half your wounds but when they inspire they go to three dodge so you hit them with this they run up probably do damage probably inspire off their light fingered and then now they're three dodge and they're going to die in one hit, whether they're one or two wounds anyway. So it's like, it could be a nice little tech card for him. Yeah, I mean, even Duke's Harriers, they just go to four fury, two damage. at the st- b- 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 That's crazy. Ooh, yeah, it's real good. Forgot about that one. So, yeah. I think I think it's really cool. And, uh, I mean, even for Sleek from the Storm of Celestis. Oh, is Sleek a companion? Um, I believe he's a companion. Let's see. No, he's not. No, he's not. So I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> but yeah. Taros is a companion, and Taros can go to three fury, two dodge, or two damage off the top. That's hey, pretty interesting. Hey, if he's inspired, you can make him, he'd be four dam- four fury, two damage Grievous on his inspired side if you hit him with this. That's, that yeah. is not bad, actually. And Legane then, can be pretty interesting, too. Brawl, you, even. You know, we're talking about companions, but like you can still just give a fighter plus two dice, and that's that's really good. If you've got a two wound fighter, then I would just use it on them because, like, like the thing is with even Autopodal, right? Yeah, I'll take a damage, but then I get a five dice cleave and snare hitting on crits that gives you a move token. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty good, week. right? I, I I like this card. Yeah, it's a cool card. Next, we've got Dark Water Draught. Choose one friendly fighter or choose one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. Then roll three magic dice. For each roll of cha- um, focus, swirly, deal one damage to the chosen fighter. For each roll of channel, lightning, uh, heal one the chosen fighter. Yeah, this is not good. Um, it's it's you have to, way too random. It's too random. And it's favored in the heals. Because there's more channels than focus. Yeah. So, so and this is what's going what's to happen is you're going to have a fighter on one wound. And you're going to be like, dude, I really need a heal. And then you're just going to end up damaging them, even if it's not on one wound. It's 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 too risky. Take healing potion, take spirit comb, take yeah. whatever else you need. Burn that restricted slot if you need healing. 
this card is bad. Yeah, it, it's it's a very hard sell. Uh, next, we've got Depth Charging. Uh, this is a domain spell, or domain, not spell, uh, ploy. Plus one move to friendly fighters' move actions that end in enemy or no one's territory. And then regular persists until the end of the round, turn, or until another domain is played. Yeah, this isn't bad at all. Um, I think this is pretty good for uh, war bands that are three move, like Exile Dead, Kanan's Reapers, Hexbane's Hunters. Um, even for fast war bands, this can give them that extra um, push to get even further into enemy territory, or maybe start off a little bit more further back, so they're safer and then can jump in when they need to. So I actually think this is a great domain card. Um, I think it competes with Eternal Chase, so maybe you take both, maybe you take one or the other, but well, I do like this. And it's nice to have once Eternal Chase rotates as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is certainly counterable, and with the um, popularity and prevalence of Drifting Tides, this could get countered, but then if your opponent plays their Drifting Tides early, you can plan for it. So Yeah, and this is also a fairly reasonable Drifting Tides counter. If you know your opponent has Drifting Tides, mm-hmm. yeah, you want the move off this, but you can just wait till they play their Drifting Tides and be like, no, you don't get it. Yeah, And and yeah, then I- it's also a domain that does something when they don't have Drifting Tides. So yeah, it's it's solid in that regard. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the cards we're seeing so far are really good for Hexbanes. Um, and so I, pr- I imagine their stock will improve, in theory. <laughs> their stock is already pretty good from what I'm hearing. Yes, it is. Uh, next we've got Grip of the Drowned. This is another domain ploy. A fighter cannot be pushed if that fighter is adjacent to one or more fighters. Uh, and then persist until etc, etc. Yeah, so I think this is more of a defensive card than no f- offensive card. Um, if enemies are charging into your fighters trying to hold feature tokens, this could potentially work for you. I honestly probably wouldn't take it. Like, it's just not something that I think comes up very often mm-hmm. because a lot of the times the distractions in the game two most popular ubiquitously are Hypnotic Buzz, which has a range of two, and center of attention, which has a range of two. So this wouldn't even stop that. So for that reason, I don't think this is a very good card. No. A, a lot of these cannot be pushed cards, especially the ploys, are just a little a little hard to, to utilize. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there. Um, next we've got a cool one. This is called Hold Them Under. Choose one enemy fighter and roll X attack dice, where X is the number of friendly fighters adjacent to the enemy fighter. To a, minim- to a maximum of three. For each roll of hammer, deal one damage to the chosen fighter. I mean, it's ping in a desperate push. I mean, if you're planning on playing a warband that likes to gang up on fighters, um, maybe like Zarbags or Reavers or Iron Souls Boys, to name a couple, um, Kanan's Reapers, this could, and Exile Dead, this could be pretty solid, actually. Um, it can maybe give you a great way to get around fighters with really good defensive stats. Maybe someone's on guard. Maybe someone's on three dodge on cover. You don't even have to like get through their defense now. This is just guaranteed damage should you roll a smash, which is, I think, fairly decent odds on three dice. Uh, Less than that, and you're getting a little risque. Yeah, on three dice, I think the chance of rolling a hammer is like 
60-ish percent better than maybe like 70-ish percent it's it's good it's pretty solid and there's also a pretty good chance you're rolling it two even like if you get three fighters on for this like you could spike three damage you could spike three damage off a single ploy um which is kind of scary but you're pretty likely to do one yeah but i think when i evaluate cards like these i think of worst case scenario yeah so 60 percent of the time i'm dealing one damage is that better than Lethal Ward or, um, you know, Suffocating Mist or something like that. That's what I try to think about. Yeah. Um, it really depends on what you think the positioning is going to be like, right? Um, are they going to be on cover hexes a lot? A lot of people are. That one's probably better at the moment. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it really depends on, again, your valuation of such things. Mm-hmm. It is an interesting card, though. Yeah. Uh, I just crunched it. It's about 70% chance to get at least one. That's not bad. Not bad. Um, Next, we've got Parting the Waters. Uh, This is restricted to a priest. Um, There's only about three or four priests in the game right now. Uh, Friendly Fighter's characteristics cannot be reduced in the next activation step. It's interesting. What were you saying? I was saying that's it. There's no, there's no downside to it. You just, you just can't be debuffed. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, how often are you getting debuffed? There's not a lot. Um, usually, it's like on upgrades that put out a minus one dice aura, like um, Sanguine Pearl or um, the Wraith Creepers one that I'm blanking on right now. Um, Usually it's just like a minus one dice with Furinith and X hexes type of thing. That's usually the only debuff type of thing. So, yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... not, I think, like, this card could be good in certain situations, like a good tech piece. But I'm just not seeing it right now. So I think I would probably hold judgment on this. Hmm. If only because, like, I can't think of a scenario in which this is really helpful, I guess... Like, maybe someone plays Eternal Chase, your five move. You can't drop down to four move? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, they print a lot of cards that are, like, friendly enemy fighters have minus X move for the next activation or minus X dice in the next activation, but those cards don't really see play, so, yeah. Mm. Uh, Next and finally, we have Raging Torrent. Uh, This is a reaction. Play this after a domain gambit is played. Choose an enemy fighter that is holding an objective. Pick one of that chosen fighter's upgrades. Break that card. You know, I think if you're running multiple domains, which maybe you are with Gore Chosen, maybe you're not. Maybe with Hexbanes you're running Drifted Tides and Depthly Charge. That's maybe two domains. I think you're going to want three, I think, to make the most of it. Um, I still think that this isn't that good of an effect like breaking upgrades is cool it can be really influential sometimes game winning in certain scenarios but i just think it's a lot to commit to your deck Hmm. that i mean and honestly for like a subpar effect again because i rather just take dice or damage or pushes yeah i think break things need to be a little bit more reliable than this like like you said break is a very solid mechanic but it's not that important in the grand scheme of things yeah if this was like pick one fighter break an upgrade or pick a fighter on an objective token within two hexes break their one of their upgrades i would definitely look at it more sure than just 
react to a domain. But um, anywho, I think that, as you mentioned, finishes up the Gambit ploy. Zach, which one is your favorite? Um, I gotta, I gotta be real. I like hold them under. I know it's, um, it's very faction dependent and it's very dice dependent. But like, ping, I like ping damage cards. I think ping damage cards are great. And then I also like, you know, just that chance. You know, this almost feels like a rebound where it's like. Yeah, a lot of times it's going to do an okay effect or like some sort of thing or like be a deterrent. And then sometimes you're going to roll three hammers and you're just going to absolutely merc somebody that, that doesn't expect it. So it's cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I'm keen to see how it pans out in the long run and how consistent it actually can be. Um, for myself, it's Corrupted Companion. Yeah, great card. Damage and dice. What's not to like? Hmm. Solid card. Okay, well, we have um, just a couple more cards to go for the Gorchos and Universals. So we're going to start with Cursed uh, Universal Upgrades. So Cursed Boarding Pike. This is an attack action. Range 2, 4 Fury, 2 damage. The bounty gained when an enemy fighter is taken out of action by this attack action is spent, unless this fighter is on a feature token. I think this is a great card. I mean, a lot of times you're going to be on feature tokens anyway, even mm-hmm. if you're not, like, you're still killing a fighter and getting a glory. Like, oh no, you can't equip another upgrade. That that does suck, but it doesn't suck that bad for how good this attack profile is. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic card. Yeah. With, like, it's, like even with, like, Shadow Spear, like, a lot of people like that card. And you only really can use it if you're on a feature token. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you can finagle that, you can finagle this. This is, like, a better Guardian Glaive. Oh, yeah. In a sure. way. I really like it. Um, next one is Dark Corruption. This is restricted to a priest. Minus one wounds to a minimum of one. Reaction. During an enemy fighter's attack action that targets this fighter, after the determined success step, roll two magic dice for each roll of focus, or swirly, minus one damage from that attack action to a minimum of one. This is really weird. I mean, effectively you only need the effect to happen once you need to roll one channel for it to break even because you're taking minus one wound and you'll be reducing damage by one you need to have it happen twice for it to be anything more worthwhile than that and focuses uh like hammers only on two sides of that dice Mm -hmm. i don't think it's worth it i mean what priests even really want i guess maybe you throw it on morgwaith if you're running a bunch of wound upgrades you like counteract it with a with a great fortitude. You put it on. She's on two dodge. She's a good fighter. Like maybe, but like it's just really hard to to take this over anything else. Yeah, because the interesting thing is is that you take a wound, so you're literally just trading your wound for the potential to do one less damage on a um, probability. You know, engagement. Yeah. You know, just focuses. Now, the one thing that might be interesting is that you put this on your leader for a core chosen. He's no longer large because he's four wounds, but then he's reducing damage, so that can get around maybe the large tax, which could be worth it. Yeah, it's a it's a not a bad point at all, actually. But um, aside from that corner case, I don't know if Kixitaka or Morgwaith are dying to use this card. No, Kixitaka definitely not. He's only got three wounds, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, the next one is Dark Parasites, plus one damage to enemy fighters range one attack actions that targets this fighter, plus one damage and grievous to this fighter's range one and range two attack actions. Um, 
kind of in line with a couple other cards that we've reviewed in this set. I think this is really good on factions that can res. Um, you know, if you've got two wound fighters like a Skaven, like a Sepulchral Guard fighter, like um, uh, Exile Dead, obviously, uh, some of these other ones, um, the Grimwatch, like, they're two wounds. They're going to die to one hit anyway. It doesn't matter if you're giving your opponent plus one. Like, okay, yeah, maybe... You know they'll come up with a, a one of a, a mook of their own that only has a one damage attack and they'll be able to one shot you now. But like, put this on a two wound fighter. They're gonna die to one hit anyway, and then it's just a great strength for them, uh, and it's a great strength plus because it gives them grievous as well. So like, you can throw this on a ghoul in Grimwatch. Most of whom have three dice on swords. They're a good chance to get a crit, and that's pretty pretty good actually. I kind of like mm-hmm. this card. Yeah, I, I think you summarized this really well. I really like this card because the fighters you're going to put this on, it's not going to matter what what damage is hitting them because mm-hmm. hopefully they've got the defense dice to back it up and then their de- offensive output goes through the roof, especially when it's consistent through the res. So Spike Claws um, and then some of the death warbands you mentioned I think is very, very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And in a pinch, this could be like, honestly, even Godsworn, like... Your godsworn are going to die anyways. Your your reavers are going to die. So just throw some more great strengths in your deck so they just pop up more often. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, in fact, great strength plus... Um, fighter's Ferocity. Fighter's Ferocity in one card, which is actually pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, the downside's enough where you're not going to bring it in like a mid-size or elite deck, but... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In a in a mook deck, I think it's great. Like Kanan's Reapers? Even that? Sure, yeah. You just go for it one time? Why not? I dig it. Dig it. The next one is a Dark Water Whirlstone. It's a Metalith, whatever the hell that means. Still don't know. Yep. When a fighter within three hexes of this fighter is pushed, that fighter cannot end that push further from this fighter. That's just too weird. Uh, it, like, it, sometimes this is going to be really, really, really useful, and then 99% of the time you're just not even going to notice it exists. Bad. Yeah, the only the only time I think this is cool is actually maybe like profiteers or far striders because they're range three. So you stick this on them, and then you kind of have them like in the middle of the board. Maybe they're fighting it out, um, and then people can't run away. You'll always be in range, but it's only pushes. They can still walk away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's not very good then. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> Next one is lacerating barnacles. Man, I really feel like the artist loves the Gorehulk because he's on so many cards. He's on a lot of these cards. A lot. Um, Lacerating Barnacles. This is a domain. Reaction. After an enemy fighter ends a move action adjacent to this fighter, roll one magic dice. During a round in which one or more domain gambits are played, roll two magic dice instead. On a roll of one or more focus or swirly, deal one damage to that enemy fighter. That's a lot of setup for a 33% chance to ping damage now it is a reaction to a movement so it's like kind of sort of passive ping damage but like i don't know it's it's not it's not great the the combo with domain is kind of nice like if you are playing domain cards then like two dice looking for focus is um like a 50 ish percent like a 51 percent chance or something like that so that's like that's kind of good cool but like i just i just don't think you're gonna play this card yeah i agree let's move on to the next one puzzling map fragment 
It's a map. It's a map. Action. Scatter three from this fighter's hex and push this fighter up to three hexes along the chain to the end hex. If the chain is un- is interrupted or this fighter would be pushed into a hex that is locked or occupied, do not push them any further. After resolving the scatter, if this fighter is not objective token, gain one spent glory point and break this card. Of the maps we've seen, I think this is the least bad because, like, detailed map fragment just gives your opponent an upside and is just kind of like action, get a glory. Um, the other one, puzzling, uh, it's like, I can't remember the name of it, but you have to like cast it as a spell and you only get one dice. It's like a 50-50 to get a spent glory. Mm-hmm. This one like actually has utility otherwise. Like action scatter three is not amazing, but if you have a fighter that's already made a move and you want to get a little bit more mobility out of them, like you scatter and then you may or may not get a glory point out of it. That's not bad. Like, if you're trying to throw some of these maps in your deck to get some extra glory, this is not a bad one. It's an okay one. Yeah, I I just don't know how reliable that scatter is. I mean, you can try to line it up, but sometimes dice betray you, so it's certainly worth considering. Hmm. Um, And this takes an action, so ideally an action is potentially worth a glory point, but um, I feel like for me this is more of like a I mean, if it works, you get your fighter on an objective, which means it could lead to potential more end scoring, and then you get the additional glory as well. Mm-hmm. So for that, I think it may work, um, but I'm not too keen on it. Yeah, it's like, okay, in very specific situations, but yeah, you really want mm-hmm. to want maps, and I'm not sure people really do right now. Yeah. Last card in this set and upgrade is Shoulder Charge, Reaction. After this fighter makes a move action that is not part of a super action, choose one adjacent enemy fighter, push the chosen fighter one or one hex up to or up to two hexes if this fighter is a brawler. Uh, I kind of like this actually. Um, it's not like it would it would obviously be better if this was like a um, damage after the move instead of a push, but sometimes all you want to do is get a fighter off an objective, and this is a push on an upgrade that doesn't require a dice roll all it requires you to do is move so if you want to get somebody off of a feature token or an objective or whatever or like into a lethal hex and you don't want to roll dice you can do this so is it worth an upgrade slot i think maybe if you're playing very controlly or you have fighters you're okay sacrificing like imagine you're playing skaven and you have an expendable fighter who can come back or like doesn't give glory when he dies and you just put this on him and he's like okay, I'm going to de- deny you positioning and I could just come back if you kill me. That's not bad. It's hard to justify as a 10th slot, but I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad either. I think it's a card that's like very meh, but in some situations it can be uh, very, very good. And so for that reason, you might like to take it in the deck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's a great way to guarantee the push off if you really need it rather than risk an attack action. Well, I think we're both going to have the same favorite upgrade from this uh, collection, but for the sake of it, uh, what's your favorite one, Amon? Um, I'm actually going to go with Dark Parasites. Oh, you are. Yeah, that yeah. That, was, that was my number two. I'm going to go with Cursed Boarding Pike. It's just such a good weapon. It's a fantastic. It's definitely the best upgrade in the set, but yeah. I think I like... I find it just so interesting, like... Because I almost, in some situations, as we discussed earlier, plus one damage to targeting this fighter is almost irrelevant in many cases yeah 
So you just get plus one damage and Grievous to range one and range two attack actions. Mm. Like, that's crazy. Tasty. And if you really, really, really need a kill, you throw this on a fighter that matters with a solid, you know, accuracy profile. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, honestly, dude, you can even throw this on Drapper because, well, sure, he takes one more damage. You're already reducing a damage with Paul of Fear. He's probably on a cover hex with Silent Helm. Like, he's going to be hard to hit regardless. So you might not even be able to hit him. Mm-hmm. So that damage doesn't even matter, you know? Yeah. So there's just so much utility with that card that I just like it that it exists. Yeah. And then you can just put... Um, uh, oh, what, what what's the give a dude... Um, a shield token and instinctive shield. Uh, no, the uh, sorry, weighty blessing for uh, for chaos. If you do that and you got yourself a plus one defense, and then you use dark parasites, like you've kind of countered it, right? Like if you're playing a chaos warband, you give yourself plus one defense from a weighty uh, thing, yep. and then you play dark parasites as like your damage upgrade. It's like, oh, I'm taking more damage, but I'm like three block now. I'm Sepsimus, and I'm you know a a four damage spear with Grievous. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Throw this on Glissette. She's three block, or three dot, or th- she's three on guard yes. at all times. And she's hitting at, what is it? Three fury. No, she'd be hitting at, yeah, three fury, three damage uninspired with both those cards. <sighs> that's, that's, and sexy. then if you inspire her, four fury, three damage. I mean, that's, it, it's just an example, but it's yeah. cool. Yeah, there's good stuff with that. I like it. Yeah. But that's it for cool. Gorchos and Universals, huh? Yeah, what do you think overall? Um, I'm actually pretty happy with this set. Like, obviously I really like the Gorchos and I'm going to play them themselves. Um, but I'm definitely going to put some of these cards in my decks. Like, some of these upgrades, some of these ploys, 10 out of 10. Love it. Yeah, I'm actually pretty happy with this set as well. I think it's significantly better than the Hexbane Hunters cards. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think there's some really solid ones in here that make you think, make you consider, um, and I think will be a joy to play with overall. So um, I think it definitely uh, is a great, great set to buy, considering you get a really cool warband with cool rules, and then these awesome, awesome universals. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. So A, a good number of them, at least. Yeah. Okay, well, good. Well, let's jump to the next portion of the review here so we're going to be chugging along we've got another 32 cards to go over and we're going to go over deadly depths deadly depths is a rivals deck of the season it comes pre-packaged um, you can use it in your rivals plus and rivals games and um, i think it's going to be uh, very divisive one way or the other and uh, Zach and I have chatted about it a little bit already because we've been looking at the cards. Zach's got a big smile on his face. Divisive is a good word, yes. Yes. So I believe I just read the upgrades, right? So why don't you jump and do the yes. objectives? Uh, so we'll start with the objectives here. We've got a war in the shadows. Uh, this is a dual end phase. We'll score this in an end phase if during the previous action activation step, one or more enemy fighters are taken out of actions. And two or more friendly fighters are in cover hexes. Uh, one glory. Uh, interesting thing to note about this card. It does say during the previous activation step instead of previous action phase. Um, we're not sure if this is 
maybe a typo or it's just very restrictive. Um, I doubt it's meant to just be the last activation of a turn is the only time you can score this. But um, but yeah, I, I would wait to hear more from GW before we kind of key in on that too much. Yeah, it definitely seems like there were some changes made on this card for whatever reason. And so we're not going to just, we're not going to spend time speculating. Yeah, but but if we're just talking one glory, you kill an enemy and two or more fighters and cover hexes. What do you think about that? Yeah, if the card works like that as an end phase, I don't think it's a bad one. Um, I think if you're going to be playing cards like um, Path to Victory, which kind of reward you for doing the same thing. But it doesn't really work with Path to Victory because that has to be objectives and this has to be cover. So you're kind of... Right, so you can't score them in the same turn, but the idea would be like if you're trying to hold cover, sure. actually maybe if you're trying to hold cover more than you're trying to hold objective, mm-hmm. then it kind of works. Like maybe this is good for Shadeborn, Cunning Crew, things like that. Um, but I, d- I definitely think it would work in a hold objective warband as well. Um, they're not sure. in your hand together. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about the next one, Blood in the Deeps. Uh, this is a similar one. Duel, score this in the end phase if, during the previous activation step, one or more enemy fighters were taken out of action, and one or more friendly fighters are within one hex of a feature token. Uh, one glory again. Yeah, I think it's another pretty solid card, right? Like, I mean... This one just seems a little bit easier than the last one, right? Like, very similar, yeah. but easier. Yeah, you don't even have to be holding a feature token, but it's also like features, cover, or objective. So maybe this is the card that's better to take with Path to Victory rather than um, War in the Shadows. Maybe that's strictly more for cover. Yeah. Um, you'll have to excuse that. It's 12.50 a.m. while we're doing this. So <laughs> True, true, true. My brain is starting to fry a little bit. Just a little bit. Same. Um, so those two are Okay. Uh, let's talk about Call of the Dark. This is a cool one. Score this in an end phase, any end phase, if four or more fighters are each in a cover hex. After you score this card, pick an opponent. That opponent's warband deals one damage to a friendly fighter from your warband that is in a cover hex. Three glory. I think this is pretty solid because cover is very ubiquitous nowadays. Enemy fighters want to be in cover. Your fighters want to be in cover. Um... I think Shadeborn are probably perfect for this because you generally are trying to get all your fighters in cover in some fashion in the end phase to score cards. Mm-hmm. So I think they're a great candidate, but your 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 opponent might inadvertently help you score this as well, um, which is something to consider. Um, I, I will say that I, in my Exiled Dead, have been running Master of the Abyss, which is this, which is your friendly fighters hold three cover hexes for two glory. Uh, and then the same thing, you take a ping damage. Um, so this is kind of like easier and harder to score depending on what your opponent is doing. But I find that card extremely efficient. And for taking one damage for two glory is good. Taking one damage for three glory is even better. Yeah. And you can always use cards like Distraction or Center of Retention to pull enemy fighters onto feature tokens as well. So mm-hmm. I think this is a very tempting card. You're going to see a lot of people try to make this work. And it might actually warp the meta to where people avoid cover hexes. So something to consider. Yeah, could um, be. We yet to be seen, but it's certainly a card that is attractive. Yeah. Anytime it's an, any end phase three glory, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got Crush Them Wholesale, or Crushing Them Wholesale, rather. <clears throat> Dual score this in an end phase if there are more enemy fighters out of actions than there are surviving enemy fighters. 
and one or more enemy leaders are out of action, two glory. So we've seen this card a lot. It's just essentially kill more than half the enemy warband. Um, and even if you have, you know, three fighters in your warband, you have to kill four enemy fighters. Um, in most cases, that's enough to win you the game or table the enemy warband, which again leads you to winning the game in most instances. Yeah. And you have to kill the leader, which is probably one the of hardest. the hardest leaders to kill in almost every warband, bar a couple. <clears throat> it's not worth it. Don't take it. Yeah. I agree. Uh, next, we've got Dark Judgment. This is a Surge. Surge duel. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action if the target was taken out of action and the attacker and or defender was in a cover hex in enemy territory. One Glorian uh, Surge. Yeah, I kind of like this. Again, I think it's probably pretty good for Shadeborn um, because of the teleport and they can get to your backline. I think nowadays looking for cards that guarantee a kill can be really tempting, but I think also you have to be wary because we're starting to see a lot more destruction in the Mm -hmm. meta and destruction warbands not only have larger fighters with higher health pools, but also damage reduction and healing. Mm. So it's going to be harder to kill things. Um, and then the additional stipulation of being in a cover hex in enemy territory, um, whether you're the attacker or defender, just adds an extra layer of complication that I don't think might be necessary. But then again, Shadeborn, I think this is fairly simple. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Anyone who's ranged two or three has a pretty good chance of just always being in a cover hex when they kill something, just because you've got that range. Um, but yeah, it's um, I I would agree with your points. It, it is a, one of the riskier kill surges we've seen. To what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got an interesting one. We've got Desperate Triumph. This is a Surge. Surge Duel. Score this immediately after an activation step if your leader is on a feature token in enemy territory and your leader is vulnerable. Two Glory Surge. Uh, It's not good. I spent some time thinking about it because anytime I see Two Glory Surge, my immediate thought is like, maybe. And then I'm like, oh, it's a Two Glory Surge. It doesn't require any dice to be rolled. Maybe, but vulnerable is just, it's hard. It's hard to make work. It's so hard. The only warband I can think of um, is like a three-wound leader, which there's a bunch of those actually. Not a bunch, but enough. And then you have to run through a lethal twice and then end the turn, like last activation on a future token in enemy territory, which again is doable. Sure. And then hope they don't have paying damage or a push. Yeah, that, that's it's a lot of work. That's the worry, right? Like you give yourself like there are ping damage cards as well. Like so you run through a lethal and maybe you ping yourself with a card that like take one damage, do X, and then you run onto an objective and then your opponent just plays suffocating miss and you die. <laughs> it's like that's that would suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got Duskbringers. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly fighters are each on a feature token in enemy territory that was an objective token at the start of the round, one glory. It's a very reliable one glory score. You know, you... Is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That wasn't, I mean, a, that wasn't objective token at the start of the round. You can't even score this round one because they all start as covers. Well, agreed. But like rounds two and three, it's pretty solid because you're going to flip them to score in the end phase as objectives. And then you flip them feature tokens 
I guess that's maybe true. I just, in enemy territory, that was an objective token. I just, maybe it's fairly reliable in round two and three, but I just hate that it's impossible in round one. It just really turns me off the card. That is true. And so for that reason, it ultimately might be a card that not many people gravitate towards. Um, yeah, actually, you're right. I think the more and more we think about it, this is probably n- not good. I mean, you could always mulligan it away, so it's not like the worst thing in the world. Maybe I'm overreacting yeah. to that. You're right. No, like, I, I don't, I don't think you're overreacting. I'm just trying to see. Like, I try to, I try to put a positive spin on most of the cards. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I agree but I think, I think not being able to score it in round one is probably, um. The nail in the coffin for this one. And that can, of course, change in future seasons if they change that mechanic again. But we, we don't know anything about that yet. But for Nether Maze. For Nether Maze, it's, it's a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got Looting the Remains. Uh, score this in an end phase. If one or more enemy fighters that are out of action each have two or more upgrades, one glory end phase. Mm-mm. You can't, you can't control it. No. It's just not, it's not worth it. If it was two glory, I'd say maybe try it, but one glory, not so much. Yeah. Uh, next we've got lost together dual score. This in the third end phase. If there are two or more surviving friendly fighters and each of those friendly fighters is on an objective token in the same territory, three glory. Yeah. I actually don't mind this at all. Like, Third end phase, again, kind of iffy. But I like how they're making more third end phase cards. Um, I think oftentimes, if you're playing a Horde Warband, you should have two or more surviving friendly fighters, even if you get absolutely clobbered. Usually, yeah. And generally, you have enough push, tack, and movement to jump on a feature or an objective token, which, you know, I guess it is a feature token, Mm -hmm. um, in your own back line. So... It could work. I mean, it's not the most reliable. It's not the easiest to pull off. But it is a decent third end phase card. Yeah, I even think like mid-sized factions. Like if you are playing a double dominant position deck like um, Mournflight. Mournflight, yeah, specifically Mournflight. You're you're probably going to lose one fighter, probably going to lose two fighters. And then your last two, you're just like, okay, well, now they've got all the upgrades. They're in the same territory, probably my territory. I want to be on two anyway. That's a three glory end phase or three glory third end phase that you're probably going to score a lot of games. Yeah. Now, then it's, again, Mournflight does have the best three glory third end phase in the game, but um, let's let's breeze past that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Dread Pageant is just as is just as doable. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. But. Um, yeah, I mean, there might just be better cards in general that don't need to be third end phase. Like, maybe a more reliable two glory card you can score in any phase. Mm-hmm. Or equally reliable, but score in any phase could be better because then you don't have to get weird mulligans and stuff. I mean, also reveal the card, you know, so. Yeah. But also, I, I think you're right. I don't. I think this is pretty good if, you're, if you do want to bring a third end phase. It's not a bad one at all. Mm-hmm. Next, we got Plumbing the Depths. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly fighters are in a cover hex, one or more friendly fighters are on a feature token, and one or more friendly fighters are in a lethal hex to glory. So th- I like cards like these mm-hmm. um, because they make you think and they also influence board choice. 
So you're going to have to pick a card or a board that has a lethal token. And then you have to, you know, place a fighter in a cover hex. And because they're in a cover hex, it counts as a future token. Because it doesn't say it has to be three different fighters. Yeah, well, unless it's a printed cover hex, but most cover hexes are going to be feature tokens, yes. Exactly, yeah. So you put that, so just one lethal hex, one feature token in cover. For two glory, is pretty pretty good. I'll take a damage for two glory. I mean, that's basically um, cryptic clues, but you, you know, with a lethal required instead of optional. And people are playing cryptic clues. It's a great card. So, yeah, I mean, it's a solid, solid end phase, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, especially if maybe you can ignore lethal hexes for some reason. Um, yeah, like Ideneth can do Ideneth that. Ideneth can, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple others that can. Uh, Purging the Abyss is our next one. Score this in an end phase. If more enemy fighters were taken out of action this round, then there are objective tokens on the battlefield. One glory end phase. One glory, nope. There's a lot of times you're keeping things flipped. One kill if everything's face down is kind of interesting, but I don't know. No, I mean, like, you get one kill. I, I, I'm trying to think best two out of three. Your opponent counters it, clogs up your hand, you gotta throw it. Yeah. But if you get two, three kills in a the round, then you're probably in a good spot anyways, and you don't need this card. Yeah, that, that's, that's the succinct way to think about it. And finally, we have Surging Darkness. This is a Surge. Score this immediately after an activation step if two or more friendly fighters with charge tokens are on feature tokens. It's a good card. It's a good-ass card. Sorry for the swearing. Nah, you're good. It's a good card. Um, Especially with ranged attacks. Yeah, with ranged attacks. But, I mean, most of the time with Horrors in the Dark, you're doing this anyway because if it has to be in your enemy's territory, you're probably charging to get there most of the time. Or a lot of the time, especially if you have range two, like you said, like it's a good card. I like it. Uh, what's your top pick for the objectives? Because that's the last one. Yeah, I mean the objectives are a mixed bag for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe. I think for me, I probably like plumbing the depths. I think it's fairly reliable, especially with a larger warband. You can just keep a lethal in the back, um, and if you're even if you place it in your opponent's the aggressor, they're not going to put your lethal in the front where they can get pushed into. So your lethal will generally be safe. You hide one fighter in there, you're going to be holding feature tokens. It's inevitable. Solid card. Yeah. Um, what about you? I, I think plumbing the depths is probably the best one in here, but for me. Um, I know I th- what you want to say. I think Surging Darkness is the better card, but I'm going to go Call of the Dark just because I yep. like it. And I am playing both Master of the Abyss and the the death-specific one called Lurking Death in my current uh, Exiled Dead. I'll probably put this in my Exiled Dead and just be like, yo, my zombies can't hold objectives, but they can sit in cover hexes, and I can score all this stuff and ping my dudes. They'll just resurrect. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. It's pretty good, honestly. It's pretty good. I'm not mad at it. Uh, but that is it for the objectives. Uh, like you said, a mixed bag, but uh, let's jump to the ploys. What's our first ploy, man? A Hungry Darkness. Pick one feature token, push that feature token one hex closest, closer to the nearest enemy fighter. That's a weird card. <laughs> yeah, super weird. Uh, sometimes you can use this to push a token underneath one of your fighters if they pulled you off of it with like center of attention. If they 
distraction to you or if you set up in such a way that it's right behind you you can use this to pull underneath you and that's kind of cool but there are better ways to push feature tokens around the board so it's probably bad yeah i, I agree i think this is like a big brain card and it's always going to be a card that requires another card like maybe this is another push you need to get that ping damage etc etc mm-hmm. um i i mean you you can consider this like what if you're holding chum the waters and your opponent is wounded but not on a cover token then you can use this to push it underneath what if you have um the uh call of the dark and you need one enemy fighter under a feature token you push this on like there's reasons to play this card but i don't think the reasons are good enough yeah well you know what actually i think you may have convinced me that if you're taking maybe one or two of those cards this could be worth it Mm -hmm. you just have to keep in mind that this could help your opponent score glory as well oh yeah absolutely so it's a big trade-off yeah but uh i think it's a good card if you think the meta has moved away from holding cover and your opponent isn't going to stand in it because mm-hmm. if they want to stand in it anyway then you don't need this yes so yeah okay next card amphibious ambush the first range one attack action made in the next activation step that targets an enemy fighter on a feature token has cleave and grievous that's a not i not don't really like this one i mean yeah a lot of opponents are going to be on cover and then cleave and cleave helps you negate some of the bonus from cover by if they if they are a block fighter you know it yeah, negates or, their block or guarding or guarding yeah so it helps kind of negate the upside of cover um and grievous is grievous is good like we all know how good uh, extra damage on crits is but it's only range one and it ha- the fo- opponent has to be on a cover or a feature i guess um it's just it's just hard to consider this over other accuracy and damage options in the play slot. Well said, well said. Yeah. Next one is Blazing Light. Choose one fighter, flip each token that is not an objective token that is within two hexes of the chosen fighter. Uh, this is a card that can score Sudden Revelation by itself without having any fighters on objectives. And that's the only reason I can think to bring it. Otherwise, I, I don't see why you would bring this card. Um, if there's, like, some crazy amount of flip tech that you need in the game, but I think I think with Delving, you don't really need this much flip tech in a single card. Yeah, I mean, the only... This is just, like, stopping your opponent from scoring oh, off cover. Like, if they Delve and then you flip it back or something like that? Yeah, but you, you flip it, that's not an objective. So if they're trying to score off objective, this card is moot. Yeah. If they're trying to score off cover, then this is pretty solid. Or I guess I guess just as you can consider an accuracy card, if sure. there's an objective up, they move on to it, they flip it to get cover, you flip it back. But like that's just so weird and niche. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. Knives in the Dark. Plus one damage to the first attack action in the next activation step that targets enemy fighter on a feature token. Um, I'm not... I, I don't dislike this card. I don't think it's amazing because um, it does have a positional requirement to it, etc., etc. Um, but uh, people do play... What is the one from Dire Chasm that's plus one damage in the next attack action? Uh uh, um, blanking on the name. Ferocious Blow? Ferocious Blow, thank you. Uh, people do play Ferocious Blow for plus one damage and a ploy. 
if you don't have a lot of plus one damage upgrades. So this could be kind of another version of that. Uh, surprise plus one damage is never a bad thing. Never. Um, and it's rangeless, so you can use this with like profiteers or any other range three fighter and just be like, oh, you moved undercover hex here. I'm going to deal three damage to you with my range attack. That's kind of sweet. I think uh, this is I think it's a really good card, Zach. Like it, it it is it is very nice. I mean look at Adepticon I ran Mighty Strike and Ferocious Blow. Mm-hmm. And none of my fighters had range three attack actions and Ferocious Blow was limited to range one and range two. Right. Mighty Strike didn't have a range requirement. But you can take now Ferocious Blow, Knives in the Dark and Mighty Strike for vampires. But um, even if you're not, like, Ferocious Blow and Knives in the Dark is great for fighters like Reavers and Godsworn. But also, Knives in the Dark is awesome for Profiteers if you can, like, line up accuracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe even Hexbanes or Exiled Dead. Because, yeah. if you can, because if you get those supports, which you do from the dog or your fellow zombies, this just becomes even better. It's, I think it's a great card, man. Yeah, yeah, no. Saying that, I think I think it is pretty up there. Um, yeah, I, I think it will see a lot of play. Come to think of it, good call, good call. I think I think you highlighting that it has no range restriction is a is big, really was a really big deal. Hexbanes is gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Profiteers, I think profiteers are really good in the meta right now, actually, and I think they're gonna love. Oh this yeah, too. for sure. If I, I think if I had taken Profiteers to Nova, which we'll talk about in another episode, but... We'll do that uh, roundup later. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, next one, Murderous Tides. Um, it's sad how the two Chaos Warbands are fighting each other, but I guess it also makes sense. Um, plus one dice to the first attack action made by a friendly fighter that has one or more supporting fighters. This effect persists until a friendly fighter with one or more supporting fighters makes an attack action or until the end of the round. It's like um, determined effort with a downside or with a restriction. Restriction, yeah, not necessarily a downside. I guess it does uh, persist is kind of the nice thing. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times if you play an accuracy card, your opponent will play, like, a debuff or, like, position in such a way that you can't really make good use out of it. Um, and this is going to be like, okay, well, if you make my next activation not good to make this attack, I, I can just wait till later on. That's fine. Yeah. So. That is a slight upside to it. Um, there's a pro anacon, but there, I think there's just enough plus one dice cards in the game that this one doesn't really stand out above all the other ones. Agreed. I think this is a very mediocre card. Yeah, one that I wouldn't fault you for playing, but one that um, doesn't excite me either. Absolutely. Seeking the deep through truths. Choose one friendly fighter in a cover hex. Deal 1, 2, or 3 damage to the Chosen Fighter. Then roll X Magic Dice, where X is the amount of damage you dealt to the Chosen Fighter. You cannot choose to deal more damage to the Chosen Fighter than their wounds characteristic. On a roll of 1 or more focus, gain 1 glory point. I I think this is a super interesting card. Um, I really like this card in very specific situations. We talked about... Um, the companion card in the last one being really good with Hexbanes because your first dog doesn't give away glory. Um, the interesting thing about this one is that you can play it in Elthane Soul Raid and you just deal one damage to your fish. doesn't give your opponent any glory. You roll a dice and there's a 33% chance you just get a free glory. 
And depending on the uh, whether your shoal token is out or not, you might just put that fish right back on the board anyway afterwards. Like, and then, like, obviously that's one very specific scenario where you're effectively doing nothing and have a 33% chance to get glory, which is cool. Um, the dog gives you about a 51% chance to get glory because you have you can deal two wounds to it if you're okay just killing your dog like a madman, which is then also you're just negating cool. the... The, the net glory. Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, it depends. Like, if your dog's out there and it's just going to get punched next turn anyway and you expect it to die, like, I think that's the the big draw of this is if you expect the fighter to die, why not roll dice? Like, um... I got a, I got a good niche example for you. What's that? You play this with Molog. You take three damage. You inspire your whole warband. You potentially get a glory to play an upgrade. You put the upgrade on Molog. And then Mala gets two charges, hopefully gets to more glory. Then he can play Trogoth's Blood, Instinctive Shield, heal back up. And then now he's a menace. I, I was going to say Mala is really good for this. Um, so you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that's a great use for it. But I also think something like, uh, what's a three wound? What's a good three wound fighter to use in his, as an example? Um, oh, I don't think I'd want to kill a fighter with this. Well, I... In the situation that, okay, let's take um, Godsworn Hunt, because they're super good in the meta right now. <laughs> uh, but let's say you had Shond, who is, you know, your, he's your sword guy. He's not great, but he's okay. You just, like, cannonball Shond across the board. You charge him into something. Your opponent has two or three damage that they're just going to punch him with. He's on a single dodge. He's going to die to whatever looks at him, right? Mm-hmm just play this on him and you'd be like okay you're gonna get a glory for killing him in a second anyway might might as well just give you the glory and get a good chance at getting a glory of my own like yeah because even if they have two wound counters you can still deal three damage exactly yeah Yeah. so like if there's a wounded fighter that you think is going to die to the next attack or die to ping damage or something like any time that you can like they're going to get the glory anyway you might as well get a shot at getting your own glory so i think there is like for a lot of warbands it's going to be a meme card that's not very useful but i think even as a meme card it's it's not bad so i kind of like this card a lot i also think it's a really interesting game design and for that i it is, might be my favorite one of the set hmm. yeah i'm more concerned about the Molog interaction to be honest Oh, no. Molog interactions. Who would have foreseen those being a problem in Warhammer Underworlds? We've never seen that happen before. It's just frustrating to think about, to be honest. But (laughs) alas, we continue. Um, Next one is Shadowed Refuge. Plus one defense to friendly fighters and a cover hex in the next activation step. Um, It's okay. These sorts of... Persisting, I think it'd be better. Yeah, these sort of cards better defense than next activation step your opponent could just usually play around and this is not one of the better ones so it's like it's like fine i think if you're a warband that's a lot of two dodge and you just become everybody's three dodge in the next activation step that's pretty sick um if your warband's a bunch of one dodge or one block this is absolutely useless so it's a bit it's mm-hmm. a bit faction dependent yeah yeah i mean like in more flight like a super passive more flight deck yeah i could see it being useful because everyone's two dodge on cover mm-hmm um, no good targets type of situation, but um, also not very interesting, I think, also. Yes. Um, but anyways, the walls are closing in. At the end of the next activation step, deal one damage to each fighter in an edge hex. 
Um, this reminds me of the waypoint that did something similar, where it was like yeah. uh, you dealt damage to enemies in edge hexes. Um, I think this is kind of like a delayed ping. Most of the time what you're going to use this for is there's an enemy near an edge hex, you play this, you charge, you punch them into the edge hex, and then they take damage at the end of it. Um, even if you just drive them back, they take it. So it's kind of like a delayed trap or pit trap. It's like a setup pit trap, yeah. Yeah. So for that, ping damage is cool. And like maybe your opponent moved into an edge hex, like Slithael teleported into a shadow assault and then just like, haha, psych, I got you. You have a charge token, you can't go anywhere. Um, kind of okay. Uh, I just find it hard to like really consider this a, a great option. Same. Same, same, same. Yeah. Okay. Well, a couple more here. We got Waste Deep. Fighters that are not on feature tokens at the start of the next activation step have a move characteristic of two in the next activation. That's a really weird card, and I don't like it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, designers. Um, I get what you're kind of trying to go for here, where the, the overall thing of this Rivals deck is like, everything gets bonuses for being on feature tokens or attacking things on feature tokens, and anything off feature tokens kind of doesn't get any bonuses or anything like that it fits the design but i just don't think it's a good card in general same same i think i think the fighters that you want to trap and slow down are going to be on future tokens anyway so yeah oftentimes they won't even come up that much and it's only for the next activation so yeah and even move characteristic of two isn't terrible if this had move characteristic one and it was like you play the you go first you play this and then you you go first you move your dudes you play this and then your opponent like can only move one in the next activation that might be kind of devastating but even two is kind of like playable around with depending on what you're trying to do yeah yep 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 okay last gambit here we must go deeper choose up to two friendly fighters push the chosen fighters one hex after that push, each chosen fighter must be in a cover hex or an enemy territory. This is a great card. Fantastic card. Uh, I mean, even even if this was just choose two friendly fighters in enemy territory, push them one hex, uh, that that's a really good card. I'm pretty sure we have a card that's similar to that, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you could also use it for cover hexes to just push around and be on features. It's it's awesome. It's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's up to two so you can just push one if you need to true yeah i think this is probably one of the stronger cards in the whole deck mm-hmm. well that does it for gambits zach which one's your favorite uh seeking the deep truths of course uh, as we talked about i also thought about another fun interaction where uh gore chosen have a card that makes you not die for a round mm-hmm. if you pop that you can just throw three damage on that fighter and try to get glory before they kill themselves final frenzy final frenzy yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall Still give up the glory at the end of the round because you auto die after you play it but. sure but if you're going to play it anyway might as well try to get yeah. even more glory out of it but yeah it's true even then the card is just it's just cool i love the design of it how about you mm, knives in the dark knives in the dark yeah excellent pick. i like it yeah just damage in general is good and as you mentioned surprise damage yeah uh all right we're gonna go into our upgrades here so we've got uh first one is cursed boarding axe this is a a attack action upgrade um one range four fury 
uh, two damage with cleave. The bounty gained when an attack enemy fighter is taken out of action is spent glory unless this fighter is on a feature token. What do you think about that? So this is pretty similar to the cursed um, pike. Pike. So same concept. I like it. I mean, it's not range two, so I think that card is better. But ultimately, this is a great, great attack profile. And whether it's spent glory or unspent glory, um, killing an enemy fighter is worth it. And especially with some of your, as you would say, mooks with shittier attack profiles. Yeah. Um, we did, I think Harrow Deep had some relatively mediocre weapons. Uh, like there were a couple good illusion ones, but the rest of them were kind of like meh. I think this cursed line is pretty good other than the yeah. musket which is awful but this one's pretty terrible yeah i think there's only three cursed weapons right or i think there's a cursed sword as well it's not very good though it's okay yeah yeah uh next we've got dark water anchor minus one damage to range three plus attack actions that target this fighter to a minimum of one in addition this fighter cannot be pushed by enemy warbands so i think you're going to use this for the second effect if at all you want to use it there was a card in beast grave that you couldn't be pushed and it made you a quarry. Mm-hmm. It did see some play, some use. So in this situation, if it looks like there are a lot of push cards. So you can stop enemy fighters from pulling you in or pushing you off things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the minus one damage by range three attack actions or greater is just a plus. If it comes up great, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Are you willing to spend a slot of your upgrade deck to make sure one of your fighters can't ever be pushed? Maybe. Could be worth it. Maybe, yeah. If you're really focused on holding objectives, yeah. Um, and the minus, yeah, the minus one damage is, even when it does come up, a lot of range three is just one damage anyway, so whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, next we've got Dredge Line. Uh, action, this is an action upgrade. Choose an enemy fighter on a feature token. Push the chosen fighter two hexes closer to this fighter, then break this card. Yeah, hook, line, and sinker is the flavor text there. Pretty nice. <laughs> Look, I I usually hate upgrades that are actions. Mm-hmm. I don't mind this card because you spend an action that can... It's like a distraction anywhere on the board, effectively. Mm-hmm. And it can potentially stop your opponent from scoring and help you win the game. So in some situations, like if the meta is really, really, really into holding objectives, uh, this card can be situationally excellent. I, I really agree with that assessment, especially because this is push two. A lot of times push one is very counterable because I'll just sidestep back onto it. But like push two is really hard to counter. You have to be quarry with heated instinct or have cover of darkness. And those are like the only ways you can counter push two. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, this is solid. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Next we've got gallows humor, which uh, has some of the creepiest card art of black, uh, black powder I've ever seen. Um, Reaction. After an activation step in which one or more fighters were taken out of action, push this fighter one hex. It's an interesting card. Um, I think silent step is just better because it's Mm -hmm. after an activation. You don't need to have to kill someone. So for that reason, I think this is a secondary option. If you want more than one copy of the card, then sure, you can put this on your big guys. But dice are going to dice. Silent step is better. I think the only upside is that this says in which one or more fighters are taken out of action. It doesn't have to be this fighter doing it. Sound the step is only during this fighter's 
activation. So like, you know, you can put this on a fighter that wants to hold stuff, charge with your combat fighter, and then hopefully kill something with a combat fighter, push your objective holder fighter. It, it It's better in some ways, worse than others. I think you're right that Sound the Step is just going to be better 90% of the time, though. Uh, Lurking Horror. This is a denizen upgrade. Uh, plus one dice to this fighter's attack actions. After this fighter's attack roll, remove one attack dice from that roll. And then reaction after your activation step. If this fighter is in a cover hex, push this fighter one hex. Yeah, so I think it's a pretty good card. Um, you essentially get to just roll an extra dice and then throw away your worst one. So... I mean, isn't that effectively just a reroll, but with more steps? Maybe, but I mean, a reroll is pretty solid nonetheless. Yeah, so. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, because yeah. if you're plus one dice, throw away your worst. Aren't you usually just, you know, plus zero dice rerolling your worst? It's kind of the same thing in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mathematically, probably the same. Yeah. It just feels better because, like, you roll three dice. Um, maybe you get a smash. Um, a, a miss and a crit, then you just throw away the mess, right? Yeah, that's true. Which is pretty nice. So I like that. The reaction is just another thing tacked on. Situationally, could be really good. It's not why you're taking the card, though. You're taking it because you want to be more accurate. And effectively, mathematically, a reroll is really, really nice. Yes, I definitely agree. Uh, next, we've got Marked by the Dark. This fighter's range one attack actions have Ensnare, and this fl- fighter has Flying. Flying is interesting because, like, it's really good against Exile Dead <laughs> and maybe True. even Reapers. But mm, I don't know if I'm just going to take a card to give me Ensnare and Flying. And it's only for a range one attack action, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that Matt has to be absolutely filthy with two dodge warbands for Ensnare to really be worth an upgrade slot. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to face a double dodge, like, three out of four rounds at a grand clash then yeah sure but yeah yep uh next we've got mask of shadows uh first illusion in a while uh illusion regular illusion text don't spend any glory it's broken at the end of the round blah 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 um this fighter cannot be the target of an attack action unless the attacker is adjacent it's definitely a meta dependent card like if creepers are top dog and I have a bad matchup where I'm concerned about creepers. I can throw this in my deck. But even then, it just goes away after one round, or I take damage, or I'm selected. So if this was like a permanent effect, I think it'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. But as an illusion, I'm not too keen on it. Um, but I think situationally, it could be useful. The only reason I kind of like that it's an illusion is that you can in those range two and three uh, matchups that you're worried about, you can like mulligan for it aggressively and then just like round one, my forward fighter can't be shot or stabbed from a range without needing glory. So you're right. I I mean, yeah, it's, they can always just like distraction you and then it goes away. So like (laughs) that, that does kind of suck, but um, it's interesting if nothing else. Certainly an interesting card. I agree. Uh, next we got tantalizing map fragment, another map, woo maps. I love maps. Uh, if this fighter is holding an objective, this fighter can make this action action, flip an objective token. This fighter is on then gain one spent glory point. Give this fighter a charge token and break this card. 
I like it. I think this is the best map out of all of them so far. Yeah, it's a good card. Um, one glory, one activation. So, and it costs a glory, but I mean, it's cool with Malog because, like, even he can do this, get a charge token, get the glory, put on an upgrade, and then he can just charge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to like this card from the old days where if you spent an if you got a charge token, you got a glory on an objective. Um, yeah, they're, they're Michael Carlin used to just do that twice because Malog can activate twice. Yeah. And just get two glory for free. This is kind of similar. Um, I, I, I don't mind it because it's just one free glory. Um, especially if you're holding objectives, which is pretty solid. Yeah. And you can just do this with Regulus uh, via Puppeteer and then mm. not even take a downside because the charge doesn't yeah. mean anything for him. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's good a, card. It's a good card. Uh, then we have the Lifeline. At the start of the third round, choose this fighter and one friendly fighter. Place each fighter in the hex that was occupied by the other fighter when you chose them. Then break this card. So it's like Step Between the Shadows, but a little bit more open, but it costs an upgrade. And you kind of play in advance. So it's look, I like it. It's a very strong effect. But because it's an upgrade, it requires a little bit of investment, and your opponent can stop you from doing what they think you want to do. So it gives them a counterplay, which is nice. Um, ultimately, I don't know if I care for it enough. Yeah, I think there's too much setup. And also, if this set at the start of the round, so like if you could do it in round three instead of just in, or in round two instead of just in round three, maybe it might be more interesting. But like, yeah. it's kind of a hard sell with all like you have to do it. It's only in the third round. You have to get it before that. You have to pick two fighters. Your opponent know which two fighter they like. It's it's just a lot. It's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Uh. And then last one in here, we have Umbral Stigmata. Uh, this is a, another upgrade action. I think third action in this uh, one. Deal one damage to this fighter, then choose one enemy fighter on a feature token, deal one damage to the chosen fighter, and break this card. Uh, I don't think an action, a glory and an action, one of your 12 in the game, is worth dealing one damage. Regardless if there's no, like, range limit to an enemy fighter, especially because you're damaging yourself. I disagree. I'm going to disagree on this one. I think this is really good, actually. I think if nothing else, this is a... It's a mind game and a deterrent. Like, yeah, sometimes you're going to equip... Like, this is just... You're not going to use it in a game. But, like, sometimes you're going to put it on and your opponent is just going to run their vulnerable fighter away from feature tokens because they don't want to take damage um i don't think you're taking this over suffocating mess or lethal ward no of course not but there are different slots this is an upgrade slot agreed but then like this is your third and you're going to spend a whole action to ping somebody sure why not yeah i mean if, if that's what your game plan is and maybe you're playing far striders or something like that well i'm or- also i'm also thinking like it's round three you only have a couple fighters left you're probably taking an action to draw. Is this better or worse than drawing a card? Is dealing one damage guaranteed to a fighter that you probably want to kill better That's or worse than drawing a feature a token? Sure, but a lot of fighters aren't feature tokens anyway. I think it's. I think the 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 unfortunately true answer is it depends. 
It depends. It does. I like it. I'm going to try this out. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that a guarantee, anytime I see action guaranteed damage, I'm like, that's not a dice roll, you know? That's fair. But it's also just like a gambit does this better. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But now, yeah. Sure. I, I think there's pluses and minus. So, yeah. We'll agree. Let me know how it goes. I mean, we can agree to disagree for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's just my thought on it. And, but that is the end of the upgrade slots. Um, which one jumps out to you here? I think I like Lurking Horror. Mm-hmm. The, you know, roll extra dice, throw away your your lowest roll or whatever yes absolutely sometimes you can force a miss too if you really want to like i don't know why you would ever you could you could use this to force branching fate that's true too yeah 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 if you have yeah if you're if you're base at three dice yeah yeah um yeah i think that's i think that's by far the strongest one of the upgrades uh i'm gonna pick tantalizing map fragment because i love upgrade glory um i know you do i love upgrade glory so much yeah. um so yeah uh overall what do you think of deadly depths as like as a rivals deck that you pick up off the shelf and play yeah it's a good question so ultimately like look as a as a as a rivals deck i think it's not a strong one hmm. i think it is overall cohesively weak i think as a Rivals Plus deck, I think there's a lot of potential here because there's some really good cards in here that you can just flex in to your Warband. Um, you know, you've got a good weapon, you've got some passive actions and stuff you can take, some good gambits, um, and then maybe some objectives to flesh out your your Warband. But as a deck overall in Rivals only, mm-hmm. I think it's probably one of the weaker ones. Maybe it's more on par with Silent Menace, which I think is probably one of the weaker decks. I think that's a good way to describe it. Like, yeah. like you wouldn't, you wouldn't like cry if you're playing this or Silent Menace, right? Like you, yeah. you wouldn't like look at the cards and just be like, oh, I can't do anything. It's terrible. But like, if you compare it to Maze Breachers or even Illusory Might, which I think is pretty good, um, it's just going to feel a little bit second rate. Um, but I agree, like, for Rivals Plus, I can definitely see someone trying this in Rivals Plus for some of the the stronger cards in here. There's good, there's a few good objectives in here that are actually, like, really good. Um, there's a few really powerful ploys in here. Like, yeah, every Rivals Plus deck has some good options in those slots, but if you want to play the specific ones in here, if you're really looking for that Knives in the Dark, if you're really looking for, like, uh, uh, we must go deeper for the double push like sure absolutely yeah yeah do you have any other thoughts on 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 deadly deaths um no i think it's i think overall um it's worth a purchase for some of the stronger cards in it um maybe not if you are a rivals only player though that's a good way to phrase that yeah championship of course you should get everything. Yes, of course. Um, Rivals Plus, I think this is a good deck that you can flex in. It doesn't beat Essentials, but if they ever decide to remove Essentials from that pool, um, I think there's some really solid cards in here. Hmm. Um, and then again, I would agree, if it's just strictly Rivals you're playing, I don't know if you need this, per se. 
Um, but certainly worth the exploration. But yeah, that was, um, what, 64 cards in a row? 64 cards, yeah. yeah. Wow. Just over two hours, I think. It was, uh, or maybe under. Depends on how much editing goes into it. Yeah, that's true. Um, see, I don't think we need to edit much, though. I I only edit like pauses or like not even like a normal pause, like a oh hold on, I need to go to the bathroom or yeah yeah. Or if we like completely like misread a card, then I'll just cut that out. But yeah, a little peek behind the scenes. But um, yeah, but you know, common sense also for most podcasters. So. Yeah, I think the um, I think overall, like you know, this is a weekend of universal releases on top of Gore Chosen. There's yeah. a lot of universal cards that come out. I think the meta is going to shift a little bit um, because there's just some good cards in here. I don't know if there's enough to like change which war bands are great and just like completely warp who's strong and who's not, but. Um, I think some warbands will find some new ground. I think you'll see some deck shift. Um, yeah, it's going to be a cool. It's going to be a cool meta shift. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm just really curious as to like what that means for the competitive scene. Like, obviously, we've got Vassal and stuff online and stuff, but mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's any major events in the U.S. anymore. I think uh, the next one is LVO. Yeah, not well, not until. Supposedly, if the next season hits at the regular time that we expect, the next like score November, box December. Day. Yeah, that time. So I don't think there's anything planned before that, or at least nothing major. I think there's a Warhammer World. Maybe there might be one or two events in the UK, but I think this is kind of it for the physical tournament season, mm-hmm. especially stateside. Yeah. Well, Vassal, as always... Um, gets some good games in when uh when physical events aren't going on so maybe we'll or people play tabletops uh i don't know if we can i don't know if we like to talk about tabletop simulator but oh i uh, I prefer it over vassal okay i i know games workshop in the past has not liked it as a system um i mean they don't like vassal either that's true that's true but um people will find ways to play with each other no matter what um, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Vassal and TTS, a lot of their games would have died over COVID. So, yeah, good they point. can. It's a unnes- maybe a necessary evil in their eyes. In their eyes, yeah. But like I said, either way, people are playing on both systems. Um, people are playing over webcam. Uh, there might be a uh, uh, what's the what's the Shade Spire uh, named webcam event. Um, Straight out of Shades Fire. Straight out of Shades Fire. It's by Val, one of our patrons. Yes. um, That one's very popular, and it gets some really good players, so we might see one of those uh, with these cards. So, uh, yeah. Meta will be interesting to see shake out, I think. I completely agree. I'm looking forward to seeing how the meta goes. And honestly, I think Gore Chosen, to me, are the most interesting warband of the season, which could be a hot take, but like, Mm. I just haven't seen some corn in a while, and I'm kind of feeling corn, and... You know, I think like this is a warband that's not easy or straightforward enough to play. I think the needs require some nuance, and mm-hmm. I look forward to critting on two two fury with the Gore Hulk. I mean, two fury three damages has been my jam. I played a lot of Grim Watch. Yeah. And you just chuck a Grisselwell up the field and for the same. See effect. what happens. Yeah, but this guy's tankier. But he's, he's so, beefier. Fact. Yeah. <sighs> well. Those are um, 
some of our thoughts, I guess. So, all right, everyone, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, we really, really appreciate all of you for listening. If you want to talk about these cards or anything Underworlds related, uh, jump on our Discord. We've been talking there a lot recently, and uh, we've been helping some people out with some decks and some ideas. Zach and I are always down to help. We've also got some really cool Kill Team people in there as well, if you're interested in that. Mm -hmm. But really, that's it. So thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash pathtoglory. I just want to thank you guys for supporting us and helping us keep the lights on and helping us pay for a lot of our services that we use. Um, You can find all of our blog content on pathtoglorypodcast.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at pathtoglorypodcast.com. And it would really help if you could rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And as always, thanks for listening. And we're going to wish you the best of luck on your path to glory.